Hello, and welcome to All Things Marketing and Education. My name is Ilana Leone, and I've devoted my career to helping education brands build their brand awareness and engagement. Each week, I sit down with educators, edtech entrepreneurs, and experts in educational marketing and community building. All of them will share their successes and failures using social media, inbound marketing or content marketing, and community building. I'm excited to guide you on your journey to transform your marketing efforts into something that provides consistent value and ultimately improves the lives of your audience. Hello, everyone. I am Alana Leone, and welcome to this week's episode of All Things Marketing and Education. Today, I am talking with Clara Galan. One of the things I absolutely love about this podcast is not me being the center of the show because I've really never liked that. It's never been about me. It's really been about the space and the educators. But what I love, love, love is getting to reconnect with so many awesome, inspiring people that when I think back on my life, I have just been blessed. And I know Clara has this, a similar story of just these wonderful, beautiful people in education coming in and inspiring us. So Clara is no exception to this. We will be talking about all things community and creativity in education. And Clara specifically will share about her unique journey transitioning as into ed tech as an educator. I know a lot of you that are listening are always thinking about if I'm an educator, how do I dip my toe into the world of ed tech? Is it right for me? So we'll get into a little bit of that as well. But let me tell you a little bit about Clara first, and then we'll get into all the fun stuff. So Clara currently leads educator community programs in product marketing at Adobe for Education. So all of you Adobe for Education fans, she's going to talk a little bit about what she sees there in her role as it relates to creativity. So prior to joining Adobe, Clara has worked in education marketing for Amazon Kindle, um, for education, Remind.com. And for those of you that are regular listeners, Q, who is the CEO of Remind, was on our last episode. And I hope you all, if you haven't listened to that episode, that is a great one to get insight on a very fast-growing ed tech company. And wait for it, she was also at Edutopia, the George Lucas Educational Foundation. And if that sounds familiar, that's where I spent a majority of my career. So Clara was actually the first ever hire I made directly from the classroom. She joined our marketing team and she helped out with social media and it was just a joy to see her grow and see her flourish in that role. Clara, so I mentioned that she was an educator. Clara began her career as a middle school educator in the San Francisco Bay Area. She taught ELA, English Language Arts, to middle school grades and ESL to international high school students. So. Clara, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on the show. And please let the listeners know anything I missed. Well, thank you so much, Alana, for having me. And it's so great to, to reconnect and have this conversation with you today. And thanks so much for, for that introduction. Looking forward to diving in. Awesome. Well, why don't we start out a little bit about your journey? I think it's a good setup as well. And like I mentioned, there's a lot of educators on as listeners that are always wondering, gosh, this world of ed tech is, is so fascinating. I use it so much. Maybe there's a role for me and maybe that's a way I can expand my impact. So 
I'd love you just to walk through your career journey. I talked a little bit about all the companies that you've worked at, but in particular, I'm going to give you a couple of questions. You can choose which ones, but sometimes people want to know, how did you know it was time to leave? And if you had advice for educators wanting to make this transition, um, how, what do you think you would advise them? I know that that is a very hard one as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think um, it was an interesting time when I transitioned. And Alana, you were such an important part of that. Um, and I you know, had moved to, to San Francisco. I'm originally from the Bay Area but moved to the city um, shortly after finishing my master's program um, in English with this specializing in English as a second language education. And when I moved, I started diving into um, the ed tech space. And that was primarily driven by a lot of my students bringing new products to me. I wasn't as familiar with them and looking at the curriculum for high school and making sure that they had what they needed to be prepared. And so as a part of that, um, you know, I started going to meetups in San Francisco. It was at the same time, and I see you nodding your head too, you were a huge part of this, um, when Ed Surge started. And Imagine K-12, which is now part of Y Combinator, um, was new to the scene. So I think a lot of it was being in the right place at the right time. Um, and it was actually through one of those meetups where I was learning about these ed tech tools that I met uh, the co-founders of Remind, who then actually had mentioned to me that Edutopia was looking for um, a new um, social media manager. So that was where that kind of introduction came. But in general, I do think um, there are so many skill sets within uh, classroom teaching that are so applicable to ed tech. And the question is about seeing how your skill set fits into different roles within, within tech. And I've had a lot of conversations with educators over the years, um, advising them on you know, what are, what are the best next steps? And I think the first thing is looking at what are the products that you're interested in? And, um, you know, at a higher level, like what grade levels do you want to impact? Um, you know, which, which thematic areas? So are you looking for um, a, a more curriculum-based uh, tech product? Are you looking for more of the digital resources? Are you looking for something that's more helping processes and workflows? And then are you interested in higher education versus K-12 and more specifically, you know, primary versus secondary? So there's a lot of options there. But I think the biggest piece is figuring out what are some of the roles within tech and how your skill set applies to those. And it's about just reformatting your resume to ensure that your, your skill set meets those different levels. So I usually tell educators, um, and not to go into too much detail, but uh, what are the different roles that companies, um, you know, frequently hire for that teachers, you know, can can move those skill sets over. So that could be sales. Um, that could also be um, relationship management. So working with different districts, customer success, um, making sure that once somebody purchases the product, that you're helping those individual accounts get onboarded and have the right um the right resource and the right professional development. It could be marketing. It could be, um, you know, a lot of the work that I do kind of um, in product marketing, thinking about specific campaigns for back to school. What's the language that resonates with educators? Um, or it could even be product management. Um, so that's really um, shaping the product roadmap, doing user uh, research and figuring out what 
the engineers on your team are going to build next based off of um based off of customer feedback. So um, I think the biggest next step is making sure you can get a, um, an internship or you know, even starting to create content um, for other ed tech companies. One of the first things I did even prior to joining Edgetopia was um, reaching out to ed tech companies I knew and loved and saying, hey, like, I'd love to show you how I'm using this tool. Um, you know, I would love to write for your blog. I would love to share this on my social media channels. So all of those things, I think having that experience right off the bat is helpful. And then, of course, there's more kind of traditional routes like MBA programs where you can do an internship and, and get those pieces. Um, but going back to your original question about, uh, you know, when I knew it was the time to transition, um, again, to be honest, I was in the classroom for four years. So looking at many um, educators I work with have decades of experience. Um, so even at sometimes I'm thinking, oh, you know, I, I'd love to go back and just even teach a couple classes um, to continue my experience. And I try to be in classrooms as much as possible. Um, but really what excited me was the ed tech space and seeing a lot of teachers that were becoming entrepreneurs and wanting to be part of that journey to um, uh, connect teachers to entrepreneurs and developers and make sure that what um, entrepreneurs were building were really resonating for the classroom. Yeah. And you, thank you for touching on all those questions. I know it's a lot, but in the beginning, you talked about the importance of meetups and just getting out there. I think that's so important. I know it's a weird time right now where we have meetups, we don't have meetups, but there are always ways to connect socially to the ed tech scene. So you can get involved on the Twitters, you know, the hashtags, hashtag ed tech, hashtag ed tech chat. Um, but there are meetups still going on in ed tech too. So just get your Google on and, and meet and mingle and get to conferences. And that's going to really help you. And that helped my journey a lot. It helped Clara's journey a lot. And I love how you went into the specific roles because people ask me that all the time. And I feel like this could be a podcast episode on its own of just what are the roles I see educators naturally going towards and naturally inclined to with their skill set. And you touched on all of them. I think a flag for you educators going out there and not looking for internships, but going for a full time. If you're not crystal clear on the role you want, and I get a, a wishy-washy, oh, I think I could do this or that, it shows me that we would have to do a lot of professional development to get you to the right path. And for the right candidate, that might be okay. But in general, what Clara said was spot on is, Try to get some experience. Try working beforehand so you know your lane before you go full-time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's as you said, Alon, it's all about those connections, too. So those meetups, one of my favorite um, is Ed Surge, um, which is you know now a part of ISTE. They have a link to all events that are happening. Um, in addition, if there is a conference coming up in your state, so like I'm originally from California, Q was a big conference. Um, and then you can go and just even chat with vendors on the, on the um, expo hall floor and share how you're using their tools, provide feedback. I think it's all a great way to start, you know, building those relationships. Absolutely. And, um, in our show notes, we will add a link to all of those. So, you know, ISTE now owns EdSurge, but they do have a link for meetups that we'll include. I'd also recommend looking at EdCamps too. So those are mostly all educators, but it's really good to hone what 
types of tools you're really passionate about and learn about ed tech and collaborate with educators there as well. So we'll put those links in the show notes as well. So I love that you moved into the classroom, you came into Edutopia, which for many people that don't know, is a private operating foundation. And we're kind of like media, right? We were just like, let's create awesome resources for educators to react to and adapt in their own classroom environments. But making the shift to like Remind and then Amazon, 10 Marks for Kindle and Education, how, how was that transition? And you honing in as an educator, having some experience at Edutopia, what were the things you could lean on where you're like, I'm going to use my educator skills for this, this, and this. And then conversely, like, where did you feel like you really needed to professionally develop and level up to, to get into this fast-paced world? Yeah, I think one of the benefits of working at a company like Edutopia, I've known other colleagues that have worked at um, like Common Sense Media, any kind of you know nonprofit organization that's me that is focused on content and resources for educators, is that you touch upon a lot of different products. You get to meet a lot of different people. Um, you also get a pulse on the online spaces. What are the products that are really popular? What what are the products that are resonating with teachers that are doing really well in the market? Um, and so from there, you know, I had met originally at a meetup, the Remind team, um, when they were really new to the scene, like they had just raised their seed funding. And um, this was a time in, in San Francisco when there were a lot of companies that were, you know, raising a lot of money, building teams. Um, and that was especially with the Imagine K-12 incubator, which has since moved over to Y Combinator. And um, when I first started, the, the biggest um, asset I brought to the team was my knowledge of, um, one, teaching and learning, um, but two, just the community. Um, so, you know, being able to share how to connect with teachers online, um, how to have organic growth. Um, so making sure that uh, teachers... Uh, were able to find the product organically. So whether that was through social media channels or through word of mouth marketing, and it's really, you know, understanding that um, kind of marketing jargon um, and the, that marketing terminology, um, because I, I mean, I studied literature. I didn't study marketing. I didn't study business. And a lot of this, I just kind of learned on the job. And one of the biggest uh maybe I would say challenges that I had moving from like nonprofit space to uh, a fast paced startup like Remind was just learning a lot of the product terminology, um, sprints, um, you know, knowing how to communicate to an engineering team, really understanding the product roadmap. So a lot of times, for example, um, in community and marketing, we hear from teachers, oh, like, I really want you to build this. This is what I need for my students. And you're like, ah, oh, this is amazing, an idea. And you go back to the product and engineering team, and then they level set with you and say, okay, this is a really important uh, feature. We do need to build it. However, this is the product roadmap. This is the resources we have in engineering. This is how long it's going to take. So I think it's just familiarizing yourself with um, the product roadmap e experience and what's um, like how you can put in feature requests to be built. So that's from kind of the community standpoint. And then overall, just as a business, um, 
when it came to Remind, you know, they were growing very quickly. We were um, a very highly visible company with a lot of uh, venture capital backing and knowing how to leverage that network of people that were in the, you know, the Kleiner Perkins um, portfolio, meeting other marketing managers um, and just really understanding how we needed to meet uh, specific growth needs. So that was a crash course and all of that. And I learned a lot, a lot at Remind. Um, and then from there, you know, what I realized is that I didn't have any experience in a bigger company. Like a lot of the people that I was working with at Remind were, were coming from Facebook and Google and other big tech companies. And so um, there was an opportunity at Amazon. I had met the then GM at a conference um, who was building up a marketing team for the, their Kindle um, uh suite of products. So at that time, then I decided to move over. And I think it's it's really good to kind of get some of the corporate experience side as well, just to understand how things function in a bigger company that might be a little different um, from a startup space. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because Remind was the epitome of a, a fast-growing startup. You know, you have all these acronyms thrown at you and engineers, and then you're thrown at a bigger company like Amazon and now Adobe, too. So that's really interesting to hear that. Um, I think sometimes educators go into startup environments or even corporate environments, and because they have people that have backgrounds from Google and Facebook, there's a tendency for them to to shrink a little bit and say, oh, I'm I'm not as good or, oh, they're this and I'm not that. And for those of you educators that might be thinking about that and you might transition into those experiences, just own your expertise. I, I beg you because you have something that nobody else has. And for you to be able to what Clara was saying earlier around speaking to the audience, knowing them, how to approach them, that is invaluable beyond anything else. And sure, what you can do is say, okay, what do I need to professionally develop in in these areas, but just don't, don't be so humble that you discredit yourself. Absolutely. And I think, um, all of the other pieces from a business standpoint, especially if you go, if you're in sales or marketing or even customer success, which is really your expertise as an educator, you can learn all those things. Teaching is by far the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> like that you have that expertise. You've gone to school for many years to really study that and become an expert in that. And the one thing I've realized over my career is I'll never forget the first day that I stepped on the Amazon campus and I thought they chose me. I'm so lucky. Like I, I'm here in this position. But then as I've grown in my career as well, you realize that you have such a unique um, perspective, especially if you've been in a classroom working with students you know better than anybody else on your team who the, who the end uh, user is and, and who teachers are and how to communicate. So you have a really powerful experience there. Yes, yes. Um, so speaking of educators and communities, you have done a great job of building educator communities. I know that sometimes in your role that wasn't your primary role, but you are a connector at heart. You love educators as much as I do. They gravitate towards you as well. I think when I was talking to our friend Nick, he's like, you, you and Claire are the only ones that I'll do things for, by the way. <laughs> and for those of you um, that want to hear from Nick, he was also on our show and we'll put you in the show notes too. But you have this gift of bringing people together and bringing them together 
as it relates to a brand as well. And I saw you do that with Amazon and Adobe and, and building up a team that do that as well. Can you talk a little bit about your journey of building educator communities and maybe a couple of stories for people that don't understand the power of community? Because some people that are listening are in our ed tech professional world. So they might be leading ed tech companies in the exec level. They might be running marketing or sales or growth or whatnot. And they've heard a community, but they really need to understand its benefits a little bit more. Yeah. You know, I think um, the education space is so different from any other product space or technology space. And I, I found this, you know, um, at Amazon and even at Adobe to some extent, we have um, a more in-depth education team now. We've, we've really grown a lot. But sometimes when working um, with individuals from like a more of a business background, they approach ed tech tools like they would anything else. Um, so like, you know, they're selling um, a suite of, of software products for a business or even retail goods. And um, schools and teachers and educators, as if you're a teacher uh, tuning in, you know this, um, are very wary when it comes to for-profit companies, um, you know, coming in and saying this is the silver bullet to solve all of my students' problems. And um, I think that it's really critical how you communicate your product to schools, to school leaders, and to educators. And first and foremost, you have to have everything rooted in teaching and learning and pedagogy and making sure that this is something that is meeting the goals of teachers and meeting the, the goals of, of student learning outcomes. And so really what, what community does is it provides a place for teachers to come and gather and share best practices with one another that then ties to your brand. And I really see it as like a mission. So for example, at Adobe, our mission and vision is to really equip the next generation of lifelong creators and nurture and, and, and help them grow. And um, one, of, one of those pieces is that we have to make sure that the community and our group of users connect to this, this, this vision with us because then it becomes so much more than a brand. It becomes a movement. It becomes like I identify with this brand. And one of the most powerful speakers I still have heard uh, to this date was um, the, the community team from Airbnb at the CMX summit that I attended in San Francisco. This probably was back in 2014 or 2015. And they were sharing the whole vision of Airbnb and how it became so much more than you know, um, a, a product that helps you find a stay during your vacation. It was a place where you could belong anywhere. It was a place where, um, you know, you, they, they even were to the point where they, they had their community managers and their, and, and users of their product marching in the streets to change legislation. It's incredible. Like, and that's what a community does. A community, um, builds brand affinity. It actually helps to shape what your brand stands for. And I think as, as um, you know, people that are more uh, on the ed tech side and in product, we have to be very wary and listen to our community or what are their values and how do we take that feedback from our user group and, and, and shape, you know, the whole branding of the product. And then make a space for community members to be able to come in 
and and share with one another and and show that they are connected to the brand and resonate with the brand. But then also that in turn builds word of mouth marketing and even builds an organic team. You can scale your team. If you're one marketer, you can have then, you know, hundreds of teachers that are then going out and sharing your product with other schools and with other um with other organizations and teachers learn best from other teachers. Um, so if I you know, have someone from my community that's gonna go into a conference and present, teachers are gonna listen to that um, individual much more than they would listen to me or listen to anyone else you know, within the Adobe team. So community I think is one of the most powerful um, mechanisms for growing your brand and growing your product within the ad tech space. Yes, yes, yes. 10 million percent. Yes. Um, for those of you that are longtime listeners, our first ever episode was with our director of community or we call her our director of joy, Porter Palmer. And we talked a lot about communities and our experience growing them. And they provide so much joy to your brand in so many ways. And if you're interested in the types of communities, so Clara was touching on a couple of them. They actually have a full model called the spaces model. And we'll drop that blog in the show notes. So you can say, gosh, what are all the different ways I can have a primary focus of my community and how that can align with my brand objectives and what your audience wants. So never forget your audience at the time and how do we transition them into community members? So just a little extra context for people that want to dive deep into the world of community. But you were so right, Clara, when you talked about it becomes a movement. And a couple, like maybe my first or second year at Edutopia, I, I, I didn't have any experience in community. I just, I didn't, I kind of knew what it was, but I was in charge of email campaigns and I was building up a membership. In essence, what I was doing is not building up a membership, but I was building a community and I didn't know it. And we used verbiage like join the movement. And all these educators were right back going, yes, movement. And I'm like, I don't know what they're joining. <laughs> what movement, but they were so invested in it, right? And so that was a signal that they were ready to really form a community and go further and be what you call those ambassadors, because they're at the end of the day, you can speak eloquently about your products, but it's nothing like an educator saying, here's exactly how I use it in the classroom. And here was the impact on my students. I think that's that's spot on, um, and it's and for on the teacher side. So I, you know, that was more from like a business standpoint, but from an educator side, sometimes teachers feel isolated in their classrooms. They don't have the the opportunity always to go and see what the teacher down the hall is doing, or what lessons they're teaching, or what activities worked with different students. And so, if you have a community where teachers can come in and say, "Hey, like I tried this lesson, and and this is the product I use, but." I might like this worked, this didn't work. Does anyone have feedback? And that becomes their place where they can get, you know, resources and ideas on a, on a consistent basis. And especially if it's virtual, it reaches anybody in the world. Yes. Um, so you've had some experience with multiple companies, either being the point person or helping grow a team of communities. Can you talk to me about just like when people say, you know, you're reflecting back on your career of helping build education communities? Are there a couple of stories that stick with you that you're like, oh, man, I will never forget this? Yes, I mean, I could say my um, the, even the, the program I'm working on right now, the Adobe Creative Educator Program, that has been one of the biggest milestones in my career. 
Um, when I started at Adobe, I started on the higher education team working with higher education faculty that were teaching um, digital media subjects. So graphic design, video editing, animation. And I didn't really have a, a background in that. My background comes from K-12, but I was really excited to just dive in. And I learned so much. These um, leaders in the community are incredible. Um, it, it was amazing to see what they could build using Adobe tools. And so I was just in awe every day, like learning from them, um, creating opportunities for them to present at conferences, um, you know, facilitating online spaces, and then just really um, providing a megaphone to the, to the larger community of what was working and how they could be inspired. So that was, that was really exciting. But one of the things at Adobe is when I started um, a little over four years ago is that Adobe started to introduce tools um, like at the time Adobe Spark, which is now Adobe Express, that were web-based um, and available for anyone to use. And so I know actually my introduction into Photoshop was what I started at Adobe, creating uh, social media graphics and um, you know had to teach myself how to use layers and how to use all the different features within Photoshop um, and Illustrator. And um, for a lot of teachers, maybe they don't have the time to learn more robust tools. They want to create quickly. Um, they want their students to be able to communicate visually, whether it's with video or a web page or, or a graphic. And um, Express allows them to do that. So they can just log in on the web. It's, you know, they can use Chromebooks for it as well um, and create um, with templates and really easily introduces the concept of layering, changing out uh, different images, different graphics, has a whole library. And so when that was introduced, um, we didn't have a community or any kind of programming for K through 12 teachers. We did have a, you know, a sales team that went into K-12 districts, but there wasn't any kind of brand affinity. And so when I'd go into classrooms, teachers would say, oh, you work at Adobe. Don't they do PDFs or, oh, they do Photoshop, but why would I use that? You know, I teach English. <laughs> and so it was a big, a big role to, to, you know, help shape that brand narrative and create a community of, of, where teachers could come in, learn the basics, and feel that Adobe was really creativity for all. It was applicable no matter what subject you were teaching, no matter what grade level, this is something you could use. And so in 2020, um, we launched the ACE program, Adobe Creative Educator, and now we have over 40,000 teachers that have enrolled in the program. We have a virtual summit. We um, our, every day I'm on Twitter and on our Facebook group interacting with teachers. Um, and then we also use a third-party platform called Influitive where teachers can go in and um, we have different challenges and they can earn points and, and redeem them for different prizes. So it's been really fun to um, build that community, but then also be able to connect with some of the educators and thought leaders from previous roles um, as we're kind of moving more into the K-12 space. Yes. And thank you for giving an overview of like how community can start and evolve too. Cause we always talk about make sure you've got a strategy that aligns initially with what does your organization want to do? What does your audience want to do? And then what's your initial capacity? So Porter and I call that the magic middle to start, but always start small. And then, like you said, seed those people, get those amazing stories. And if you do community, right. And this is going to sound a little dramatic, but I swear it's not. It will save lives. 
It will change lives. We've uh, Porter talks about this a lot, but with her experience of almost a decade at Discovery Education Network, the DEN, one of the biggest education communities in K-12, she saw lives being saved. And especially when Clara talked about teachers being isolated, there is no better time to help educators feel less isolated. We run a community to fully just support educators right now through um, one of our clients and it has saved their lives a lot of times tenfold. It has changed, fundamentally changed who they are because they feel like they have support. So again, we have to overlap that with your brand needs to make sure it's strategic and that we're growing and you can continue funding. But there's just so much benefit for community. And Clara, when you talked about Photoshop and layers, that brought me back. I haven't used Photoshop since then, but we were. We were creating social media images from Photoshop because at the time, like Canva didn't exist or, or Adobe Spark slash Express Now. None of that existed. We were... <laughs> we learned on the go. <laughs> that was so funny. Um, so... Let's talk a little bit about more creativity in education, because you, you hit on a little bit where you, you can really see educators using specifically your product, but you also see them in other instances, because community, it's not like they're just talking about your product. They're sharing about all the cool things they're doing in education, too. But I have been continuously wowed by educators' use of doing so much with also just a little bit and the system has kind of forced them to do that, which I obviously don't agree with, but it's created such an innovative mindset of like, oh, and then they collaborate and selflessly give to each other in communities too. Can you talk to me a little bit more about what you've seen around creativity? And if you, if Adobe in particular has stance or you in particular have stance around where creativity should be emphasized more in the curricula? So when it comes to creativity, um, one of the myths that we have um, as sometimes, uh, I mean, as students, but even sometimes as educators, is that it's for the arts or, um, you know, either you're born creative or you're not. Or, uh, creative and um, it is messy and you know it's a kind of creativity um, creative personality type and that's really not true um, you know Sir Ken Robinson uh, you know once said that creative creativity is as important as literacy and it's true um, you know one of the the skills that we look for um, especially in, in hiring at Adobe is can someone look at a problem and think about it from multiple angles and come up with a solution in a, in a creative manner. And that's really creative problem solving, um, especially as students go into higher education or go into the workforce, they might not know all of the um, issues that they're going to encounter. And we as a society don't know <laughs> all of the issues we'll encounter. I mean, who, who knew that COVID was coming in a global pandemic? And a lot of the solutions around that take creativity. They take, um, you know, being able to connect different ideas to one another, iteration and, and coming up with a, a creative solution in mind. So I think creativity is um, really important in, in our education space. And when it comes to what I've been seeing um, within school districts, I mean, I can speak from the Adobe standpoint, it's pretty incredible to see what even kindergartners, first graders are building um, within um, Adobe Express, within Page. Uh, I, one of the examples I love sharing is I saw um, in the UK, 
there's um, an educator who had his uh, second graders go out to their local deli, interview the deli owners, take pictures, and then write out the menu. And they created the website for the local deli. And it was great to see, you know, the authentic audience and how easy it was for them for them to create that on an elementary side. Um, at a, a higher education or more kind of CTE high school side, um, there's an educator I work with in the Netherlands, uh, Matthias Klasner, and he leads a character animator competition every year. And it's, you know, um, with character animator, it's really easy to um, create animations, even if you've never created animations before, it actually ma maps your um, facial structure and your in your your movement and automatically puts it onto different um, character templates. So students were creating like um, different videos, animations, and just even seeing what um, you know seventeen, eighteen year olds were creating was was pretty incredible. Um, so what the technology allows students to do. And I'm also seeing a lot in um, augmented reality too. Um, you know, there's other tools obviously out there besides Adobe, um, but but one of the tools that we work with is Arrow, and students can bring even um, different um, you know structures for for science or labs, like, and they have the even the anatomy of a frog right there, and they're able to do that without all of that the messy components. Um, so it's. It's, it's incredible to see where, where education is moving. And I think um, creativity is, is such an important part um, to be able to prepare students um, for the future. I think, um, first of all, Sir Ken, you know, um, rest in peace, Sir Ken. I, I think he was one of, the, when I grew up in my career in K-12 education, he was always saying that about creativity and the need for creativity and creative thinkers. Like you said, we need people that don't follow instructions, but can come up with innovative solutions and do it in a fun, unique way. And that is real across every single profession. And that is fundamentally what I look for as well and I test for is, are you a creative thinker? Can you take something and go beyond and do it in that unique creative spin? So important. I think when we think about the classroom, you hit on so many great points, but the umbrella is how can I use technology or maybe even not technology and, and go old school art, but create a story, be a storyteller. You can show your mastery of a knowledge through creativity in so many ways that actually stick more to learning. And it's not this memorization and it goes away. So I see a lot of that being displayed with, with teachers and getting more momentum when we call it around digital storytelling. It doesn't have to be, but it becomes this beautiful moment where students can own their own learning and become storytellers. And it really hits back to a lot of, you know, George Lucas saying that teachers are one of the best storytellers he's ever seen and encountered. But what if we can transfer that? And I see this movement for actual students becoming that storytellers. They're using all the things you were talking about and podcasts and creating music, all of the things which I couldn't even imagine in school having all of these tech tools, right? I know. I wish we had that in school. I, I see what students are creating now and it's, it's incredible. It's, it's what, um, you know, many, 
maybe higher education students that were studying graphic design or in their first year out of out of university like kids are creating that in middle school now so it's it's pretty incredible to see yeah and like reflecting when sir ken was talking for decades about creativity and people like tony wagner and so many more were talking about creativity and the need for it in classrooms sometimes i would lack the connection to actually how to do it practically if I'm an educator. I'm like, oh, yeah, head nod. Amazing. Yes, that's nice. How do I do it? I remember asking Tony Wagner a question in this big theater. I'm like, do you have anything? I didn't mean to say it this way, but basically I said, do you have anything practical I can walk away with so I can, you know, implement it in the classroom? And he couldn't because he was so used to talking about it theoretically. Now we have so many tools that immediately when you were talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, you can do this, 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 this. So if you're an educator listening, pause, maybe, you know, stop the recording and, and think about how you could incorporate more storytelling, more creativity in just an average assignment. And what are you doing now that you can build on? This is the exact conversation we had as a team when we were coming up with the uh, Adobe Creative Educator curriculum for our level one and level two course. And so many times you hear people talk about creativity and it's these big lofty terms You're like, great, what does it look like? Like, how can I do this tomorrow in my classroom? And that's what that's those are the key things that we tackled in the Adobe Creative Educator Level One course, because we want to tie everything back to teaching and learning first and product second, um, because that's how educators can know how to use the, the products efficiently in their classroom. And so Rebecca Hare, if you're familiar with her work, um, she's the author of the book, The Space. Uh, she's on our team now. And she created this incredible curriculum um, that essentially walks through how do we define creativity? What does it look like in classrooms, like very tactically? How can you assess creativity? That's a huge um, you know, one that is very challenging and an informative assessment. How do you evaluate uh, for creativity and of creativity? So it's how are you evaluating creativity in the process as the student is going through the process of their project, um, you know, being able to pivot, iterate, uh, think creatively. And then the end um, project, what is the rubric that you're using to make sure that you're evaluating um, the different creative components of a project. Um, and then we talk about classroom culture, like how do you build a classroom culture that is safe for creativity? How do you encourage students um, to be able to fail along the way? So it's a really, a really great course. It's something I'm really proud of, of our team um, for creating. And hopefully that answers um, some of those questions. So many answers, so many answers. And I would say one that's really exciting about Rebecca. I remember meeting her in so many events in ISTEs and was like, this woman is talented. She's doing some really cool things and I'm glad you swooped her up. Um, and it started to make me think as you were talking specifically about the course and how to assess creativity is that so much times we used to think about this and we potentially still do depending on your level of familiarity, but of technology being an add-on and not a core specialty. I see the same thing happening with creativity. It was like, oh, if we have time, maybe we'll add it on. And, you know, but for it to be a core value and, and to have it thread throughout everything you do, it starts with culture, like you talked about. So, I know we can talk about creativity forever and communities forever and but I want to loop back a little bit to your journey because I know educators are 
still like, wow, how did she do this? You know, we talked a little bit about your journey, but I am personally curious about what's next too. And where do you see your unique stamp in your career? Like, what do you, I know this is big. And sometimes when I ask people this, they're like, oh God, <laughs> what do you hope to <laughs> What do you hope to accomplish? Um, K-12 is such a beautiful space for impact. Um, yeah. And what continues to drive you in this space? Yeah, so my journey at Adobe has been um, really amazing. You know, I've met a lot of incredible educators around the world. Even when I first started in the role, um, I was traveling to all of our international offices, putting on events for our core educator community. So even just personally, that was that really opened up my eyes to education systems all around the world. Um, so I really um, want to continue working in that and supporting educators within our Adobe Creative Educator program. Um, and then in addition to that, um, given my you know, background in, in ed tech and, and also in education, I'm really interested in connecting with ed tech startups uh, that are thinking about their journey into education, like how can they connect with educators? How can they brand their products specifically? Um, so I recently, I mean, I moved to Spain. It's been two years now. I can't believe it. Um, and so I'm really familiar with the ed tech space in you know, San Francisco, but I was curious to learn more about the ed tech space here in Europe. And um, so I've been going to a lot of, you know, um, meetups just to kind of understand, even from an Adobe standpoint, like there are so many incredible design schools in Barcelona, like how do we connect with them? But also um, interested in mentoring ed tech startups. So I just recently um, joined the mentor board of SEK Lab, which is a ed tech um, accelerator program here in Spain. And then I'll also be going to London Ed Tech Week um, in, I think that's a two weeks now, right before SD, uh, just to connect with other ed tech startups and, you know, continue that, that opportunity for mentorship. Because I do think um, I have a unique perspective in that. And I've just to even be at an early stage startup in San Francisco during those times, like there was so much that I learned from that and then going into corporate. So it's really energizing to, to meet with early stage founders as they're going on this journey and have so much to learn, but also are working so hard and so eager. And um, so I love kind of connecting with them and, and, and doing that. And then other than that, um, you know, making sure that I have time to go into schools as much as possible, um, you know, as as uh, here here in Barcelona, we work with several different schools, um, including the American School. So I've gone there a couple times um, to just like sit in the classroom and listen. But I do think in the future, I would really like to at least have part of my role be in the classroom, like just working with students, even if it's one course. Um, you know, being able to to connect with them. Yeah, I. I think about my journey and I'm like, shoot, when I retire, I'd love to be an educator or do it part time at some point because there's so much you see. I think from the outside, it's a little bit grass is greener, right? It's just like, oh, they get to see this and we get to see these students and that direct impact. And I can't imagine a more meaningful position than being an educator. And I get to see that from a, a national perspective. You get to see it from an international perspective. So there is that like a little bit of FOMO right, going on. Um, and then as it relates to ed tech startups, I am 100% with you. I get so much joy being an ed tech mentor and being able to talk to them 
and help them through because we've been able to see it, you know, we were like it. And it's nice to be able to get them when they're young and say, um, young as early age of startup and help them and guide them in ways that I wish that we all had when we were in the thick of it. And to connect it a bit to community, I would say that the fundamental thing I see ed tech startups struggle with the most is that they're not connected to their audience as much as they should be. And community can help you. People and ed- and all startups do this beyond ed tech. They prioritize community later than they should. And it hurts them because they don't have that pulse and that connection that's very deep in relationship with their audience. Yeah, and it also, um, if they don't have that connection, it also hurts education and it hurts, you know, teachers and students. And that's part of what drives me in in a lot of my work, um, even working with early stage startups or mentoring, is that I know that if they take the time to sit down with teachers and go into classrooms, one, their products tend to be better. And obviously, from a business standpoint, you know, they'll be more successful, but it will actually help teachers and students uh, more and they'll be building products that are meaningful to, to those groups of students. So I think it just really um, supports both ways. Yeah, and this is another topic we could talk about forever, but like the number one thing I tell educator or ed tech startups is just like slow down. Sometimes you have to go slow to go fast, right? So it's okay if you're building community and it's small and you only get a couple of hours, but you're maintaining that relationship that will come back tenfold down the road. So slow down. I know we have a lot of considerations with funding and all of that, but you know, even stories with Amazon is like, no, I'm building this at the pace I need right now. I'm slowing it down and to scale and go faster down the road. So I thank you, Clara, for being on this show. The one question we ask all of our guests is around inspiration. Right now, gosh, we started this podcast almost a year ago. And, you know, in the middle of the deep of the pandemic, burnout and life in general will just continue to be a struggle a struggle, but also complemented with joy, right? Because once we have that struggle, we can really understand what joy truly is. But what keeps you going in the midst of all of it? You have a very heavy career. You've got a lot going on. There's a lot of responsibility. We're in the midst of isolation, teacher burnout. What keeps you personally going throughout all of this that inspires you? So really, um, it's the community. Like every day when I, you know, log on, it's not like any other role. It's I'm interacting with teachers all around the world on a daily basis and hearing their feedback show like I, I see screenshots of student work, like thank you, this worked so well in my classroom. Like that human element is really what drives me. And quite frankly, I don't think I could be in a role that doesn't have that. <laughs> um, because it's you just know that you're you're really making an impact. Um and I know um, because I had kind of looked at the um questions previously. But one of the books that I recently read was The Art of Gathering by um, Priya Parker. And I think as community managers, it's a really helpful book, especially for thinking about virtual meetings and in-person meetings. 
and that did also kind of when I finished reading that kind of refueled my okay I need to rethink like how I'm connecting with teachers online because it it really emphasizes the importance of being very thoughtful and pointed of who you're inviting to your gatherings how you're structuring them how to make people feel um, you know really heard and um, valued and I think a lot of times when we're in our roles and even as teachers, like it's, it's a helpful um, book as well, because if you're kind of in the day to day, you're like, okay, logging on to zoom again, you know, have this class, I have this, this lesson, or if you're, you know, those who are tuning in that are marketers, like, okay, here we are, here we're on another, you know, customer call and it, it, it um, or webinar, like really thinking about, okay, for each one, like who is my target audience for this? Like, how do I make it so that every person who's in this room feels really heard, really valued. And even these like little touches within a community that you can do like handwritten invitations or, you know, some, um, you know, follow-ups that you're featuring them in, in your presentation. Like there's so many little things that you can do that even though they sound small, they do make a difference and, and add up. Um, so that's, that's been um, inspiring. And then on a personal level, um, you know, I just am really trying to get outside as much as possible. I've been doing a lot of hiking, uh, going to the beach. Um, you know, it's especially during the pandemic. Um, I, before I, you know, I think I forgot how much I love being outside. And so when everything was closed, Every day when I was in San Francisco, I'd walk to the Golden Gate Bridge and back <laughs> from my apartment. And now I'm continuing that here, um, making sure that I'm outside. That's awesome. And I, I just want to emphasize the point about the littlest things make a big difference, especially in K-12 education. And I, I, for people that are new coming into ed tech that might be listening, know that you're coming into a profession that isn't generally acknowledged consistently in a positive way. And, and that is a shame. And they're not used to even just the littlest gestures of appreciation. So in one of the communities we're building, we do care packages with handwritten notes. And if somebody's going through something and showed their vulnerability in the community itself, we send it to them. And you can't, I can't put it into words how much it's affected them of like, you see me and like, I don't even, we haven't even met in person, but you all are the only people that I fully can feel supported and feel seen and heard. Those words are just so important. So Clara, thank you so much. This has been a joy to have you on and see your journey. And I hope to have you on again and you can talk about more of your journey but let people know how they personally can get in touch with you. And then we'll share all of the resources you mentioned in the show notes. And if you want to share any additional ones, you can talk about them and we'll put them in the show notes. So I'd love to connect. Um, if you're on Twitter, I'm at Miss Clara Galan. So M-S-C-L-A-R-A-G-A-L-A-N. And you can also email me on my Adobe email. It's G-A-L-N at adobe.com. And we do one quick plug, um, have an education summit coming up after ISTE. So it'll be um, July 26th through the 28th, open to any educator. Um, and we have some incredible um, keynote speakers um, like Danielle Feinberg, um, who's from Pixar, Dr. Byron McClure, um, who's a school psychologist. We have Al Thomas from ISTE um, and many others um, that I'm really looking forward to hearing um, their presentation. 
applications. And um, you can register for this summit at Adobe, so A-D-O-B-E dot L-Y slash E-D-U, um, capitalized summit. So um, if you have questions about that, feel free to email me, but um, we're looking forward to hosting uh, that virtual event. And really fun, we have a virtual DJ that's joined us in years past, so it's a fun virtual dance party too. Nice, and that event is free, that summit? It is free for anyone who wants to join. Great, so we'll put that link in the show notes as well too, because I know web addresses when we're speaking audio and you all might be running or in the car, um, know that we'll put it in the show notes. The show notes for this episode will be at leoneconsultinggroup.com. So that's consulting with two Gs, consultinggroup.com backslash 24. So that's two, four. And all of the resources, we also go in and talk about the high level things that Claire and I talked about. So if you just want a quick cliff notes of what we talked about and some practical takeaways, you can also read it too. So thank you all for joining us. I really hope just with every other episode, you think about what am I thinking differently about the power of community, about the power of creativity and education has there been a mind shift that has occurred even slightly and are there some things i want to walk away and do just one thing you know maybe there's one thing in creativity if i'm an educator i want to bring back to the classroom or maybe if i'm a marketer i can look and say gosh you know i think we need to rethink the way that we emphasize community and talk about how we strategically want to place it in the organization. Whatever it may be, you're always welcome to share it with us. We're on Twitter at Leone Group. I hope this has helped you and I thank you for listening. Take care, everyone, and we will see you on the next All Things Marketing and Education. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard and want to dive deeper, you can visit Leone Consulting Group dot com backslash podcasts for all show notes, links, and freebies mentioned in each episode. And we always love friends. So please connect with us on Twitter at Leone Group. If you enjoyed today's show, go ahead and click the subscribe button to be the first one notified when our next episode is released. We'll see you next week on all things marketing and education.